Welcome back everyone to another episode of the How to Become a Doctor podcast and our intercalation series. Today I have with us another lovely guest from Barts. Would you like to introduce yourself for us? Yes, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Marcelia Dakenberry. I'm a third year medical student at Barts and uh, I intercalated in cardiovascular sciences at Imperial last year, so after my second year. Amazing. Can you actually tell us what cardiovascular sciences is, what it means in terms of your intercalation? So cardiovascular sciences, um, it does sound quite broad um, and it actually is because it will entail everything that um, has to do with the endothelium firstly. So that's all your blood vessels. Uh, You do cover the vasculature in detail. Um, so mainly the atherosclerosis process. Uh, however, it is mostly focused on the heart, all on, so all the pathologies uh, with the uh, heart are um, studied in more depth. Uh, for example, uh, some of the main areas that we did during the intercalation was heart failure. Uh, We did the pathologies of the uh, endothelium. And also we covered um, a lot on uh, uh, congenital heart disease and arrhythmias. So all these are the main fields that you study when you do cardiovascular sciences. Perfect. So all of this content, was it split across specific modules? And did you have any practical components? Um, so we had three modules um, and the first module had three blocks. The first block, as I mentioned earlier, was about the science of vascular disease. Uh, and then the second block was congenital uh, diseases and arrhythmias. And then the third block was heart failure. And during these blocks, uh, there was a lectures that you uh, had mainly um, Monday, Tuesdays. But what was quite interesting about this course was that we had debates. So there's a lot of uh, gray areas in all these different uh, subjects, in all these different conditions, Um, whether the mechanism is unclear or maybe how to treat it may be unclear. So what we would do, we would separate in groups and we would debate one would take one side of the argument and the other group would um, argue for the other side. So that's how we would learn. And sometimes none of the groups were as correct, but um, the director of the debate would actually then give his opinion. But that doesn't mean that that's the only way to think about it. Uh, We would also have journal clubs where this would entail you reading a research paper beforehand and then we would uh, gather together as a group and discuss this research paper. They were very advanced research papers so you would learn a lot about the most um, innovative scientific methods that they're using to study something like uh, the different stem cell therapies or all kind of amazing stuff that scientists are doing. And um, 
Yeah, so those were the main, and also student presentations and group presentations. They would give you a topic and then you had to present it as a group. So it was a lot of group work. I think 90% of it was group work during the first module. And then the second module, it was, again, group work. We had to do a group literature review. So this is where the second module was all self-directed. You had no help Um almost no help we did have some sessions where we could ask questions uh, but most of it was you relying on your team to produce a literature review that would give you a topic that you had no say in so you couldn't choose your topic they would just give you one uh, you had to find the evidence out there and support it and then you also had to do a case study in this self-directed module um, so it, this was quite a good experience because this way, if, for someone that has never done case studies before, it taught you how, all the steps. I mean, you actually had to learn the steps yourself. That was the tricky part, actually, because it was self-directed. And then the third uh, module was the research project, which was three months long. And then in this research project, you have to do your dissertation and also come up with a presentation. So these were the three modules, but the second and third were very self-directed. It was just the first module where it was lectures, group-based discussion, journal clubs, and uh, debates. That sounds really interesting. That's super different to medical school. I don't have very much experience in debating, and I know group work isn't something a lot of us are very used to. So how did you manage your workload throughout the year, especially with your self-directed module? I would not know where to begin. Um, I must say it was very difficult. As you said yourself, we were not really used to doing group works in medicine, but this intercalation was 90% group work. Um, and it was a bit intimidating at first. However, um, what what was good about it um, is that it wasn't assessed. So we actually weren't being assessed, well, apart from the second module where you had to do the literature review, mm. that one was assessed. But then uh, during the first module, the group work was not assessed. So you could do as much or as little as you wanted. However, it was you did get more out of it when the group was working together. And... Um, but sometimes it did get a lot like we would have group works two group works sometimes a day with different groups as well it's not like you were working with the same group each time it was a different group so that's something to bear in mind but I do think that that was very course specific so I don't want to scare anyone off intercalation <laughs> that was just the course structure that you had to work with literally everyone in your course you that was the good part about it actually because you get to know everyone so this way you kind of um see which people are more like you and you start to make friends as well because you, you start to resonate with some people more and less with others and um, personally I've made some really good friends uh, at Imperial um not just imperial students, ex other external students as well. Um, so that th that's what the group work helped me with. But the way I managed it was um, just being active. So um, always make sure you make a WhatsApp group chat. If no one has made it, then 
you should take the step to do it um, because this way someone at least is encouraging the group to do some work. It's in our own benefit after all. If you're not going to do any work, then you're not going to get anything out of it. So try and make the group chat as soon as possible. If you see that everyone's being a bit slow, then try and separate the work because if you do separate it, everyone will be happy to take a part because it doesn't really matter what part you take because it's not being assessed. Um, and yeah, always share the work equally. If you if you feel like you're doing too much, then don't do uh, more than what you'd initially do if everyone did their part because in the end of the group project, the supervisor will uh, mention the key points that the group may have missed and always um, make sure to listen to what the other group has done. Because what, what often happened with me, at least, was every time we had a debate or any presentation, group presentation, I would always... Um, have in my mind what I'm going to say. So I'm, I'm going to be thinking, okay, so uh, this is my part. I would be like uh, saying my part in my head. And then I totally miss out on what everyone else is saying. So I would actually not learn from the rest because I'm already thinking how I'm going to uh, say my part. So don't do that. That was a big mistake. Uh, don't worry about what you're going to say, but focus more on what everyone else is saying. This way you can at least... Um, learn the other side of the argument Perfect. And, and time management of course um, it's really important yeah so it's actually really nice to hear that you've had such a positive experience despite not being used to this kind of course structure you mentioned assessments really quickly there so how are you actually assessed throughout the year how much of your grade is dependent on which parts of the course yeah, so uh, the first um, module was 15% worth, uh, and then the second module was 25%, and then the rest was the third module. Uh, so with the first module, you actually had three separate assignments. Um, these were, even though you were doing group work all the time, the assignments were actually individual assignments. However, all the group work that you did should have prepared you for these assignments. The first assignment was writing a letter to the editor. Um, and then the second assignment was uh, preparing a presentation on a topic that they gave you. And then the third assignment was just doing some data analysis and presenting it um, in a publishable format. So like a scientific uh, paper type of thing. Um, and the good thing was before each assignment, we had a week off. So a week where we had no lectures, nothing, no commitments. You just had to focus on the assignment. That's so nice. That that was such a good thing because you had so much time to work on this assignment. Um, and the good thing, the other good thing about this course, this particular course, was that before every summative assignment, we had um, a formative. So like we had a, a try, basically, we could submit something that, um, but the, top, the topic would change. So they'll give you a similar topic. And then you submit it, they would mark it, give you feedback. And then when they gave you the real uh, topic, you'd have you'd have basically you'd have the feedback to work on 
So you could write your new assignment based on what you've learned from the previous one. So you had a lot of help, I think. Um, you had your own tutorial group that would like support you and everyone would actually give you feedback as well because we would discuss our work in front of everyone, which was quite, um, I mean, for some people, maybe it's not that good, but I found it really useful because um, students can be quite good at giving feedback to um, so that was quite good, uh, getting all that support from your tutorial group. The assignments during the first module, um, they they weren't very, very difficult, but the difficult part was sometimes there was um, not very clear what it was asking. Uh, so the, the topic they would give you would be misleading, but they would do that on purpose so that everyone could give their views and everyone would go from a different perspective. And in the end, we would have feedback sessions. Uh, all the course would gather and they would give us feedback session, a general feedback session. And they would pick out like who did the best section. They wouldn't say a name or anything, but they would pick out the best sections or the, wor the worst sections. Um, and you'd see what variety there was. So everyone went from multiple angles and it was like quite amazing to see how many ideas there was in, in the room. Um, and then in the second term, the literature review, you it was a group work. So your grade uh, depended on the overall grade. So you had to make sure that the whole group did a good job. Um, luckily I had a really good group my um, um, teammates we did a really good job I remember the day before the submission we stayed up to like 4 a.m trying to sort out the references that was the biggest issue when you work as a group because you're each doing your own um, section when you then try to combine the references it's a nightmare um, because we used EndNote so I think some others used RefWorks and that worked better. So always be mindful of these reference um, uh, websites or ma reference managers. So make sure to use the one that's the best for you and your team or make sure you know how to use it in the first place. I think we probably didn't get enough training on how to use it. Um, and then the project that you had to write the dissertation that was completely dependent on you so you had to write background methods uh, results discussion all yourself each section had different percentages um, the most important uh, section was the discussion and the introduction so the results weren't as important because I mean of course they're important but uh, not everyone could get enough results in three months because it is quite a short amount of time. And they were more interested in how you present those results. But everything you, you did during module one and module two have prepared you to give a very good dissertation piece. And I felt really confident at the end of the project because I knew what to do. And uh, even though it was very stressful in the beginning, like trying to get all those assignments done on time, I felt like 
those assignments were really necessary for dissertation because when you're in medical school you you don't have time to practice these skills like I had barely done any essays or any I had never done a literature review for sure or I had uh, never written a letter to the editor I have never never presented to um a professional team that's probably because of covid as well like uh, i started my first medical uh year in 2019 and covid hit six months after so then it was online during the second year i barely did anything um, and then i intercalated straight away so it was a, a big shift for me but i do feel like uh it was the right thing to do because now in my third year I have more time and I'm now utilizing those skills to try and get some publications or um, grow my network as well so things like that first of all staying up until 4am <laughs> I'm still thinking about that I can't believe you did that I have a group poster coming up for my intercalation and Thank you for reminding me about the references because I already know it's going to be a nightmare and I didn't consider it. So now I have to tell my team to watch out for that. Secondly, you mentioned the dissertation and the kind of layout that you had to have. So am I right in thinking you got to do primary research and what kind of topics did that revolve around? Uh, so, yes, we, we everyone um, did primary research, of course. Um, I chose lab research uh, because I, at first I didn't think I would be interested in lab work. However, um, I thought it would be good for me because it's something that I will probably never get the chance to do again. Uh, when they first release the research topics, they will involve, um, they will release a short list of topics just for you to get a taste of it. And I remember um, looking at the topics that I was interested in and I went to the supervisors because they will always provide the email of the supervisor. And I went to them and I asked them, so can you tell me more about this project? What will I be doing? And they were very happy to uh, tell me more about it, explain what I'll be doing, um, what if the paper was to be written, what the paper would look like. Um, and some of them were quite interesting. However, I saw that the clinical ones uh, were a bit boring because it meant I, I had to be doing data collection uh, basically all day. And I realized that I can do that anytime. So right now, as a medical student, I can just ask any consultant and be like, can I do a research project? And then they'll be very happy for you to do it if you've got the time. So you can easily just start collecting data, uh, which is why I didn't want to do that, because if anything, I can do it anytime. So I decided to pick something uh, very novel and interesting. And I did come across um, a topic that I was very, very passionate about, and that's aortic dissection. So we um, there was uh, this research available about looking at biomarkers for aortic dissection. Um, and it was a lot of um, new scientific terms that I was learning, new scientific methods, 
I was using uh, plasma uh, from real patients. I was taking consent forms. There was a lot of ethics involved um, because of the research uh, involving human um, material. I was also collecting awardas from real patients during surgery. So it was the best project I've ever done. Uh, I mean, it was my first project as well, but I don't think I'll ever do such an interesting project again. And I was very lucky to be given the opportunity to do it because I know some of my friends, they didn't like their projects and though they were the ones that had the clinical project. So I'm not surprised. So for everyone who's considering an intercalation, I would definitely recommend trying something new, something that you know nothing about because you will learn much more and you will enjoy it much more as well. So you say the dissertation module is very self-directed. How much support did you actually get in that module? So how much contact did you have with your supervisor? What kind of feedback did they give you? How many times did you touch base? I was lucky to have two supervisors because one of them was a scientist and the other one was a cardiothoracic surgeon. So in that sense, I had a lot of support, which I'm very uh, happy about. But uh, of course, this will differ depending on the project. But a good way to tell how much support you'll get is by looking at the a research topic and also looking at who's supervising it if more than two people are supervising it then definitely go for it because that means you'll get more support on it and if more people are supervising a project that means the more important it is as well so that's also a tip that I have um, and yes I did get a lot of support especially in the lab because most of the time I was in the lab in the Hammersmith uh, campus and my supervisor was there all the time. He was from 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. every day. The most organized person that I know. Any question I had, he was there to answer. So I, I'd say I had a lot of support for everything. I would never do something without first asking. And that gave me a lot of reassurance. Um, so I would never feel in doubt. If I did something wrong, I would immediately know because my supervisor was there to tell me as well. And the good thing about lab work is there's always more than one student working there, um, probably in similar projects, not the exact same for sure, but similar projects because it is the same supervisor and they can help you too. I remember I had some biomedical uh, sciences students and they have to do the same for their research project. And they would explain, for example, um, how chromatography works or like um, there was some technique that we used like um, dialysis, um, the one that we use for patients, but in a lab setting. So they would explain, they explained that to me. Um, it's it you do get a lot of support, um, at least at Imperial and at least in lab work. I do believe that this is not the same case if you're doing a clinical project because a lot of the time the doctors don't have time for you. It's not the same as a scientist, as a researcher. They have a nine to five. They can go home like they go home after. They don't stay late unless it's a very important uh, research or like their cells are still growing. So uh, that's a good thing about doing those kind of projects. But yeah, uh, with hospital work, 
you you have to depend a lot on your supervisor on when they contact you and it's much um, less supervised do you have any key bits of advice for someone writing a dissertation for the first time what kind of things should you do at the beginning etc i my biggest piece of advice would be to start early so as soon as you start your project that's when you should start doing the literature review basically you start going through the literature what is known what is unknown but first and foremost try and understand the project sit down with your supervisor and actually ask him okay so what's the hypothesis what's the objective here why are we trying to get out and ask them what do you think will be the result like what do you think um i should focus on and ask them which are the best papers they will all they are experts in this field so they will have papers to send you for you to read so always ask them first because they will definitely send you the primary papers the one where the research idea comes from and once you read those everything will start to make sense and then you just um from the papers they've sent you you can then start and pick out the papers that they've referenced and this is how you build your um reference and all your uh, reference library so always go for by what your uh, supervisor says and then if you've started early enough and if you are at a lot you will know what to write in the methods as well because it's very likely that this research project that you're doing is been done by others before um as for, for example for mine it was biomarkers for aortic dissection there's been plenty of studies uh, looking at biomarkers for aortic dissection but not this specific biomarker they've looked at other biomarkers so you can really understand a lot from their method and then see how similar your method is to that and kind of base your method on it. But um, with lab work is a bit complicated because you do have to write a lot of detail. And most of this detail will come from uh, your supervisor explaining why we do certain things. So, but for other people who are not doing lab projects or they're doing uh, hospital um, projects, uh, clinical projects, then uh, definitely have a look at similar papers because that will be a great uh, a great template for you to work on. And um, for the results, uh, my biggest advice would be to have a very good understanding of the statistics because um, it's very important. If you've done the statistics wrong, then no one's going to look at your paper. Um, it's it's not it's not good. It's worthless. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, but that's what your result basically is, is the statistics. And if you have a good understanding of um, the basic statistics, then that's what you should start with. Um, so all the correlation tests, all the um, uh, comparison tests, make sure even sometimes can be disheartening to see that the p-value is not significant. You should not try to change the data because a non-significant value is still, it still says something. And it could be because your sample size is not big enough. So maybe try and consider uh, increasing your sample size, but always have a discussion with your supervisor. Um, 
but definitely, definitely make sure you're doing the right statistical test. Always check for uh, standard deviation, um, normal distribution, sorry. Uh, yeah, check if your data is skewed or not, because that is quite important in uh, choosing the right test. To get that knowledge, uh, for example, my course did offer help on statistics. So make sure that you pay more attention to the lectures where they teach you on how to do stats that was something that I did not do so when it came to the results I did struggle a bit so I had to do like extra reading but it was still okay it was still um, a good learning curve um, I liked I liked that I had to go and read myself I think when you go and actively uh, search for new knowledge you you get more out of it stats are the bane of my existence um <laughs> so i'm really glad that i'm doing secondary research only for my integration kind of sad that we don't get to do primary research but that's because we don't have enough time in our course to do that anywho i wanted to ask why did you actually pick cardiovascular sciences and why did you decide to do it at imperial so cardiovascular sciences because um I've had an interest in cardiothoracic surgery from my first year, but that's because I had a really good mentor and he was a cardiothoracic surgeon. Because I looked up to him so much, I was convinced that I wanted to do what he does. So I, I thought I'm going to do cardiovascular sciences because I love it. And I wasn't actually, I didn't know if I was going to love it or not. It ended up uh, that I love it so I'm glad that I did it and I chose Imperial because um, my uni did not offer uh, cardiovascular sciences and I think the other option was uh, UCL too. Um, I think with Imperial there was no particular reason why Imperial uh, compared to UCL they're both great universities I won't uh, be offended <laughs> no, they're both really great and I know I know um, other people from parts that had done it at uh, UCL but I, I chose Imperial because um, when I applied to med school they rejected me so I was like let me try and apply now <laughs> and see if I get in it was it's a dumb reason but um, I, I, I'm happy that I chose Imperial just because uh, I really like the South Kensington area. Uh, we weren't much in that campus. Uh, the cardiovascular sciences actually happens in Hammersmith campus, and that is in White City. Uh, but during the uh, independent learning, uh, we I was in South Kensington all the time, and I love the area there. It's just so beautiful there. <laughs> What was the application process like for Imperial applying as an external applicant? Uh, so the application process was quite long um, because uh, you have to submit a letter of good standing uh, from your medical school. You have to submit your transcript, so all the grades you've, you've gotten so far from all the years. And then you had to submit a reference letter from someone that's uh, your tutor or someone that knows you really well, but it definitely had to be a doctor or some someone from the medical school. Um, and then you also had to do an interview uh, from BARTS. So BARTS had to interview you in order 
for them to let you out. Um, Imperial didn't actually interview you, so they only wanted the personal statement. So yeah, that was another thing that you needed, the personal statement. But Vards actually wanted the personal statement that you're submitting to Imperial and to interview you on top of that. Also for Bards, they have this criteria where you have to have a really a good score. So every year they rank you. So depending on your rank, they will um, uh, take that into good considerations. So I think that makes up like 50% of the decision and then 50% of the decision comes from the uh, interview. So for the BART students, I would definitely recommend to see where you're, where you're at. So the ranking is usually released in December. And then uh, the interview, just make sure you know um, why you want to do this intercalation. Um, and saying that just because BART doesn't offer it is a good, is a good reason, because that's, that's why they will let you out. If it was something that Bart's offers, they are not very happy. They'll probably reject you. They'll be like, now you're staying here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the fact that Bart's doesn't do cardiovascular sciences was a good advantage. And it's also, I'd recommend going externally purely just to see how different universities work. Um, it's it's very interesting uh, comparing the different systems because you can really tell um, how differently they work. Obviously, the intercalation is totally different to medical school, but by interacting with other students at Imperial, you also get a gist of how um, the medical school um, tests them and how they mark them. So it's quite good to see that difference. Um, so yeah, those are all the things that you had to uh, do for your application. Um, I would recommend also checking when the dates are, because I know for BARTS, they will have the deadline in February, whereas Imperial had the deadline in March. So you have to make sure you've got all your application ready by February. Otherwise, if your home university doesn't accept you, then you can't actually intercalate. Um, and yeah, do practice for the interview if you really want to go externally. Um, and the other good thing about external intercalation is um, that you do get some time off medical school. It's not just any intercalation, not just external intercalation. You do get off that, uh, medical school. It's completely different. It's less, it's a different type of stress, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's living it right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, medical school is I think now in third year I do feel more stressed because I'm dealing with patients and um, I, I feel that uh, pressure of having to know everything I have to know every disease I have to know how to tell all the signs whereas during integration you don't really have to know uh, life-saving things you just have to know how to write a paper how to critically analyze and these are things that you will learn with um with practice which i guess is the same for medicine but <laughs> um still intercalation is quite a good um experience in terms of taking time off the emotional stress you get from medicine Bad. 
So I feel like we've covered pretty much everything. Is there anything you feel like that we've missed? Um, no, I've, I hope I haven't gone too much off topic. I know I've mentioned a lot of things. Um, I just wanted to say that um, always um, ask for help if you if you feel like you're struggling. Um, any university you go to, I feel like for medicine at least, they have very good support. Um, at Bards, I found very good support. At Imperial, there was really good support. So if I struggled with anything, uh, they were very happy to help me straight away. Um, so it was really good to know that that support was there for me. Uh, even though I didn't really ask, but I knew that it was there and they made sure to remind us that it was there. And one thing that I would also recommend is to make friends with um, your course. Um, I did struggle with making friends at first. Try and be friendly, try and be yourself. But uh, it's important to have friends with students that already study there because they will have links with older years. And the older years will help you with like assignments and things like that because they can give you advice. Uh, even though they're not meant to, um, it's good to have a mentor from older years. And the only way you're going to get that is if you know someone from Imperial. But if you don't know, that's absolutely fine because I'm pretty sure you will get all the help you need. And if anything, that just means you're going to do a bit more extra work and that will just make you a better uh, clinician, a better academic clinician. Perfect. If I asked you to wrap up by giving us a couple of bullet points for positives and negatives of your course, what would you say? So the positives of um, cardiovascular sciences are that you do go into a lot of depth into what cardiovascular sciences is, and you learn a lot more than you would in medical school about all the different conditions that um, involve the heart and the endothelium, so the blood vessels. Um, you do a lot of group work uh, by doing debates, journal clubs, and uh, group presentations, and that will help you develop your uh, public speaking skills and also your networking skills, which are quite important, not just medicine, but in life in general. The other good thing is you get to do primary research. Um, uh, sometimes, I mean, not all the research will be primary research. I have to clarify. There will be some secondary research as well. But you get to do uh, research that might one day be life-changing um, and uh, help a lot of patients. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping I'll achieve with my one. Um, and then you do get to learn a lot about how to be a good academic um, clinician, as in you, you will know by the end of it, you should hopefully know how to write a literature review, how to write a letter to the editor, and how to do a good case report. The negatives are that a lot of the work will be uh, independent work, self-directed work. So you have to be prepared to have really good time management skills. Um, for me, actually, the only negative part was the self-directed part. 
um, and that I had to, to use my time management. And then the other thing was that it can get a bit repetitive um, because it's different to medicine. Medicine, you you get to go to placements, whereas um, just reading research papers, it can get very repetitive and uh, tiring and stressful. So always make sure to take a break from um, all the reading that you're doing. Your eyes will definitely start hurting at some point. Um, yeah, to be honest, for me, I think that that was the only negative intercalation had. I had a really good experience with intercalation. Um, and I'm glad for that because I know a lot of people are put off intercalation. And I know some friends that they they say it wasn't a very good year for them. And they put off cardiovascular sciences for life. Uh, but for me, uh, even though it wasn't what I expected it to be, it's been a great year and I've learned a lot um, and I've gained so many skills, which I've mentioned earlier. And if I had to do it again, I would probably do it again. Um, well, no, actually, I wouldn't. <laughs> because uh, I feel like uh, one year is enough. <laughs> But I do know people that go into PhDs um, to pursue this further. One of my friends, she actually got offered a PhD position if she was, because uh, she was very dedicated to her lab. This was a lab project as well. Uh, she was very dedicated to it and she was offered a PhD position, but she didn't take it because that would mean that she'll take a lot of time of medicine. So it's something that you can actually um do after your intercalation you can consider doing that and you can postpone your medical studies but obviously they will depend on your experience overall so can you tell us where we can find you if we wanted to learn a little bit more about your experience so yes when i first started the intercalation i opened this instagram page and it's called the intercalating medic um there I've shared some tips as well on how to do well in your intercalation and these tips actually um, I've collated from all my friends at Imperial so it's quite good to get tips from everyone else um, some of them have actually managed to get publications already so that's um, quite good and all of them have got on a first so I totally trust them um, and I've also shared some of the work that I've done in the lab. Um, because I love lab work so much, I would always be recording because some of the stuff were very fascinating, like using liquid nitrogen or like, um, I mean, pipetting sounds very basic, but it, it was quite interesting at first and I found it really um, cool. So I would, I've made a lot of reels, not a lot, but I've made some reels that you can find on the Instagram and see more about what the day in the lab would look like so if you're interested definitely check it out and um, I've got a lot of students asking me about um, how to get experience before applying for intercalation I think a lot of students are worried about personal statement and what to write in it yeah. um, I think one advice I would give to everyone is um don't don't think too much about it if you really want to do an intercalation all you need is a passion so just put a lot of emphasis on the reason uh why you want to do this what actually inspired you to do this and you can use um any experience as a 
research experience, for example, uh, we have these student-selected components. And um, if you choose a student-selected component relevant to the intercalation, then just talk about it and say how much you like to do research. Because after all, not everyone wants to do research. So you still have a pretty good chance of getting accepted. That sounds so exciting. I'm going to give you a little stalk when we're done recording. And guys, look out for the promotional post. I'll tag her in it and then you guys can take a look at that. Super easy. It has been so amazing speaking to you. I've learned so much and it's been lovely having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for all the advice and information that you've given. I know that it's going to help a lot of people. I hope it does. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more, be sure to check out all our previous episodes ranging from our highly popular open pods, UCAT, BMAT and interview advice episodes and more. Keep an eye out for our new series this academic year and make sure to follow us on our Instagram at how to become a doctor with doctor spelled DR for more and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Bye.